My name is Russell Cox, and you're tuned in to the State of the Black Man's Mental Health. Welcome to this episode of the State of the Black Man's Mental Health. I am Paige Benjamin, one half of getting cheese back on my cracker. And recently, I just entered the union with my beautiful wife, um, who just, just makes me happy. And some of the people that are on here to join us um, were witnesses, some weren't. Um, but what it made me realize was during one of our meetings, during one of our dinners, we had friends and families jump on and kind of have a this kind of have a dialogue around the impacts that we had individually as well as the impact that we've had as a couple on the different people in our lives um and uh, on the different peoples in our lives and this brought a um this brought to me the idea of how relationships um, have an impact on our mental health. And so what we want to talk about today is the impact of relationships on our mental health and how we maintain them. And so before we continue, I want to tell everybody, please subscribe to the channel, like, comment, enable that notification button so that we can let people know when and where, we, when we drop new episodes. And so with that being said, I want to kind of start the conversation. Um, my name is Paige Benjamin from Atomic Travels, and I really wanted to kind of touch on the idea of how relationships and our mental health. Um, before we bring on our guest, um, it was really important that I got myself together before starting my union. And one of the things that I realized was that sometimes you gotta work on yourself before you bring somebody else into your circle. And in doing so, you learn that some of the things that you struggled with in the past weren't things that were related to others um, or related to how others treated you, but how you let others treat you. Um, I say all that to say because I realized that I was putting myself into situations where I was allowing people to fix me, um, fix me as if I was a broken puppy or a broken toy. And I realized that over time that necessarily wasn't something that I wanted. And so um, as I started to prepare myself for this venture in life with my life partner, my wife, my best friend, Jacqueline Jackson, now Benjamin, um, I start to realize I want somebody that's here to push me, not necessarily to develop me into something that they envision me to be. And so with that being said, I'm going to bring on my good brother Copeland onto the stage. Brother Copeland, how you doing? Tell us who you are. I'm good. I'm the man. You are the man. You are the man. Okay, the man. How's everything going on with you? I was listening to Nas a lot last night. He helped okay. me. Help me. I, I realized I've been cocooning for like the past five months. Really? Why is that? Uh, I mean, I was evolving. Like I'm getting better at what I do. Okay. So, so speaking of better of what you do, um, we maintain a lot of relationships in our lives throughout our lives, right? 
how are you able to manage all these relationships and still maintain like your mental health or your peace to an extent? I don't manage any of them. I leave mm. them to like, I feel like for me, the friendships that I have, they flow and the driving force is the love that we have. So unless that love is broken in some way, shape or form, time only strengthens the bond. It doesn't necessarily break it or dim it unless it wasn't real. Hmm. So I have, a pretty, I have a pretty small circle because I tend to pop in and out of society and reality. Not reality, but society, you know, like I go on my own. Reality, you were right when yeah. you split it. It was okay. a yeah. slip. Yeah, like I get out of here and I go do, like I left New York and I went to move, and I moved to California and I stayed. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of like my transition, sometimes, you know, like I said, I cut off my communication. And the people that know that, like the people that are closest to me now, they all know that I'm like literally my LBs today. They were telling me that they felt like I had something coming because they felt like I was going through like a phase shift. And I am, and I felt it. And I fought it for a while. But I know that things are getting different because I was able to channel people mm -hmm. who are actually alive. You know, I have some mm -hmm. great relationships with older Black people who I feel are wise. And I was literally able to hear their conversation kind of like the avatar. Mm -hmm. and, I kind of, and I had it with myself. And it helped me to reconcile something that I was really struggling with. Mm. So but let I'm me ask you this question. So what, what were you saying? No, but I'm but like I'm, I fixed it. Like it, well, I didn't fix it, but I I got out of it and I saw how it works, and it worked really okay. well. So let me ask you this question: How are you able to determine when the relationship is good for you or not? Um, I'll start with um, friendships, right? So how do you determine when friendships are good or bad for you? So <clears throat> to be honest, there's different levels of friendship. Okay. And then there's different stages and phases of friendship. And for the most part, it's about how you feel. You know, like it's all about, it's, it's really about an energetic connection. And if you have that, then, um, you know, it, it feels good. Okay. Almost everything that you do, whether it's growing or chilling or working or whatever. But it sometimes sometimes it takes time. But then mm. some people you connect with immediately. Like we connected right away. And it was right, and it right. wasn't like fleeting. Like we're actually it's like what, like you didn't have no fucking gray hair. Like I was talking to Rashad, he called me. He's like, who the fuck is that? I'm like <laughs> So it's it's just it's hard because there's no formula. Mm. You know, like you just can it's like imagine you have a room full of hydrogen. They can all exist by themselves, but eventually some of them are gonna hit together and create helium, but you never really know. You can't predict which one is gonna do it. Should just kind of happen. Okay. Okay. And so now let's go into romantic relationships, right? So I'm, I, as, I have no idea. 
I literally don't know. I haven't, I mean, so I, haven't, I haven't made one work yet. Let's take it. Let's take a couple steps back, right? Because okay. this is also a point of reflection, right? Yes. Is it takes two for good and or bad relationships to occur, right? And so at the end of the day, I'll I'll kind of just step out and and talk about my situations, right? So I know for me, um, you know, best relationship I've had is the one I have right now, right? In a sense of, I kind of knew at the early onset of my relationship that this is this is it, right? Um, I am no longer looking, no need to look any further. Let's move forward with, um, let's move forward with life. And what the reason I was able to get here was because of the past that didn't work, the past things that I thought I wanted, right? Um, the things that I thought I wanted um, and I realized were not good for me, right? Um, and the things that I realized I didn't want people to do to me, right? And so I think although you didn't have a successful relationship, right, or haven't had successful relationships, one of your relationships create the most amazing thing in your life right now. And at some point or another, you had to have a discerning factor to determining do I want to have a lifetime with this person? You don't even want to know. You don't. You don't even want to know what it was. You don't even want to okay. know. You do, do. You people. Do the people in the world want to know? Okay, so you see this <laughs> out on, on social media right now where the girl is like, "I shot my shot by sending over some wings." Right. right? That should mm-hmm. literally melted my heart. Because if somebody, mm-hmm. if I'm sitting at a bar and some girl sends me wings, like she can have whatever the fuck she wants. And mm-hmm. I was just explaining it to Deb and to Kia. It's like, this is the feeling. It's not the fact. And I almost, and I know it's not the fact because you love me. And I was just saying, Deb and Takia, like we have, we all have a really good relationship and I have a lot of love around me. But when in the world, it just feels like nobody's fucking kind to us. You know, it feels well, like well, we're always bad. Let's, let's, so are you saying that in the sense of a romantic relationship that you haven't found someone kind to you? No, what I'm saying is that when you're kind to me, because of the everyday life, you get like, your wheels get greased. Mm. Because it's like, you're almost hype. It's like you're ticklish to it. You're hypersensitive to it because it doesn't happen out there as much. Like when it happens, it's always like family, you know, Mm. like you're my brother. So of course you fucking deal with me and you know, you fuck with me and shit regardless, but the average person doesn't have to. So, so because of that, are you saying that as it relates to romantic life, right, in determining that romantic relationship, are is it safe to say you've identified the things that you don't want in a woman that's and, and hopefully it opens up to what you want, or are you still trying to figure out what that could look like for you? No, I know exactly what I want in a woman. I want a woman that that knows herself. Mm. and is tapped into her divine feminine because I believe differently than the average person, I guess, in America. I know that we believe that men are leaders, but I study nature. And men aren't really the leaders. They dominate, they execute. Let's Mm. take the elephants, for example. When the male elephant, that's usually the one that charges, you know, the caravan or whatever, and everybody backs up, what usually happens after that? The rest of the elephants cross. Mm-hmm. So why did he actually charge him? Because he doesn't gore anybody, right? Why did he do that? Because she told him to. 
Mm. And there's literally, I, I would have to think hard, but I don't know of any, any real species that is, that is like, the males are come and go. You know, like the, 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 the pride of lions, the male's only there for two years. That pride is actually the women. Mm. And then the men just come in and serve their purpose until they can't serve their purpose anymore. But mm. the purpose is the lineage and the legacy in the future. Gotcha, gotcha. So for them, for them, it's okay. And for us here in America, we have different, like everybody has a different set of what makes them successful. So would you say in, in this case that your ability to identify that in a woman is far and few in between or you're, you're just haven't gotten there yet? I would say that in people, it's far, it's far and few in between. Like so many of us are struggling, you know, with something. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to survive and we've been like that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Like I have, I have the luxury of being a gypsy nomad for a while. So what's, what's a while, like 13 years, so I know myself very, very well. And like, I used to think that I had no discipline, right? But it's not that I have no discipline. I just don't have any tolerance for shit I don't want to do. But in this world, in order to retain your constitution through all of the shit that you have to go through, that shit takes massive discipline. You know how, you know how much somebody would pay me to be somebody else? Mm. Like, do you know how much somebody would pay me to put on a suit and talk nice about their shit? Mm. Like, that's a, there's a lot of money in that, but I don't want it. Like, I, I'm not really so much looking for a dollar figure. I'm more so looking for a lifestyle. So, so your mate would be fitting your lifestyle? Is that what you're saying? My mate would have to be someone who knows themselves. When I say know yourself, what I mean is that you know your concept. I think that the great people in the world know who they are, and the great thing that they do is just an expression of that. Okay. You know, so I would need somebody who knows who they are and wants to express that to the world, more so our community, because we need as much fucking help as we can. So a person for me would have to be like that and dedicated to the community because I am as well. So you're going to have to understand my motivation and how I move. And when we see the kids, you have to know that that is the thing that drives me. Gotcha. the world for them. Gotcha. So I'm going to move forward to siblings. Yeah. Right. So can siblings be good or bad for you? The relationships you have with your siblings? Absolutely. How so? It's fucking million ways. Like you can, you don't have to get along with your siblings just because you grow up together. Like you guys can be petty. Like, they can be selfish, they can be evil. Like, we seem the good son, anybody that's old enough to see that. And, you know, like, they can help to reinforce things that you feel like insecure people. You could have siblings that call you ugly or whatever. But every single one of those bad things, there's a converse to them. Mm. So it's, 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 it's really good when you have a, lot, a big community, when you have a community that, that's extended past family and extended family because you just need certain slots, I feel like, need to be filled. And if you can find people that fill them, then you're good. 
because my I was talking to my mom about my father, and my father's a great guy. You know, what I mean, he's a great man. He came over here, he slaved, and he had houses. He put me in private school and everything. He did his thing. But I'm like, I asked my mom, why doesn't he like reggae music? And he's from Jamaica. And it's that I didn't really understand that he didn't grow up. Like he grew up when, before that, when reggae music was rebel music. So mm -hmm. for me, I need an older person who understands my path because my father's path is not my path. And so I have that and I've had that in many places. So I don't need that from my dad. So to me, my dad is not deficient. Okay. He's, he's way more than sufficient. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, 23 of his fucking chromosomes made me, you know what I mean? Like, the man gotta have son. Oh, man. We need, I need to have a conversation with him. Um, listen, this this is going to be a conversation. He's going to be like, you know what? I should have pulled out. I'm just joking. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> but the thing is that, like, because I said, because of the, the mindset that he has around, like, He's more of a conservative Republican, if you can believe it. And so the mindset that he has around life, he doesn't actually see my value. Mm -hmm. And, but that, I guess I, because I'm 42 now, so I'm not really looking for his validation. Like, it's more like I'm a father now too, you know, like. Yeah. So, so I mean, that leads me, that leads me to the next portion, right? Like, you know, um, the relationship we have with our children. Right now, I think that's kind of it's it's a um, it's a weird statement to state because you're the parent, they're the child. But I think there should be a relationship between parent and child, right? Because right, because the dynamic allows for a a, a cohesive um, communication style, right? Because uh, what what was what was our upbringing? Do as I say, not as I do. You don't talk back to parents. You don't talk. You don't talk to adults until adult, unless adults are speaking to you, right? Which seems like it's a it's a shift from how you and your son operate, right? Yes. So your son is more of a friend slash minion, right? Yes. To you, and so how do you determine? Um, how did you get to the point of determining how that relationship gets built? And then how does that like, you know, cause on live today on both instances, you really mentioned how you give your son all the grace in the world, as opposed to everybody gets at least one try or one chance. So like, how do you kind of like, where one did you get that idea of he gets all the grace and then everybody gets at least one try at it versus, you know, once again, going through this vicious cycle of how we were raised. So factually, simply, scientifically, child developmental psychology, he's a fucking four-year-old. Like he's gonna do, he's just, he's just got here. He's trying to figure things out. Now adults are not, they don't give me the grace that my son gives me. So like he, he's very, very smart and he can believe that something is right. And he'll try and try and try. And then I'll be like, all right, let me show you. And he'll be like, okay. And then I'll show him. And, and you ask Alade, his favorite saying that Autumn does, he's like, oh. So 
the thing that I realized is that I have to mentor this young man. Mm-hmm. I have to, and then, so one of the things I had to do is I had to reconcile the fact that my dad was an old Jamaican man who came here to work and take care of his family and understand that he did 100% of what he came here to do. The man succeeded. He had houses, like, I, I don't have a house yet. He had three, you know? So I'm actually standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm. So now I have to provide the financial stability, but I have to do more. And now we know more. And as I know more and I understand more, I can do more for my son. And it's the goldfish in the bowl syndrome. You know, the more space, the more safe space I can create for him to grow without my interference, the more he's going to start figuring things out. And just like I said about the woman, I want him to know who he is and express that to the world. And I'll do everything I can to grease those wheels. That's what bridge building is about. Gotcha, gotcha. So when it comes to dealing with issues in your relationships, right? Um, how do you deal when issues of the past come up? Um, perfect example, if you're in a romantic relationship, right? And something happened that triggered a past behavior of yours um, that leads to it coming back up. How do, how do you deal with that in a sense of moving and in, 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 in hopes of moving forward? So what I've learned, what I've noticed is that if I decide that I'm going to give somebody the space to attempt to be my romantic partner, that I give, I do give them certain graces. But what I've learned, my triggers become with them is my real world shit. So like I had somebody try and tell me that I, because I always say y'all, but I don't mean like y'all African, because my parents are Caribbean. I don't mean like y'all African-Americans. Like I look at the diaspora as a whole. I mean y'all humans. Mm-hmm. Like I, I separate myself from everybody on the planet. Like it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, I feel like I'm better than this group of black people or that group of black people. Like I feel like I'm better than that group of like humans, which is mm-hmm. everybody on earth. And I don't even mean it like that, but it's just like, that's how I'm talking. And I don't mean anything by it, but it, you know, I talk with a little bit of intensity. So it was interpreted that way. And I was being told that I feel this way or whatever. And it actually hurt my feelings mm. because you know how I, like how I fuck with the shit. So it's like, like who the fuck are you talking to? So when my feelings get hurt, I get defensive because that's the kid being hurt. Mm. And then the warrior comes out. Like the kid will get nurtured somewhere back there, but out here, out here, like you don't get to see nurturing, right. you know, like when you right. hurt my feelings, you're not going to get to see me reconcile it or whatever. I'm going to go take care of that. But the warrior is now here. So let's, let's, let's stay there for a second. Right. So you mentioned you're going to go take care of that. Right. Now, um, similar to me and I'll just, I'll, I, I, we're kind of on the same plane. We tend to have a lot of sisters around. Like there's a lot of feminine energy around us at all times. Right. And sometimes we will bring these issues that we you're you're turning into this warrior right in conversation but after the fact and you you realize in hindsight i should have reached out to such and such and say hey you know where i'm at with this um when you reach out to a friend about the issues that you're dealing with right especially on, on 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 the feminine side 
you know, do you communicate when they should be listening versus when they should be providing guidance or help? Because I think it's it's a two way thing, right? You know, when we when when women come to us with an issue, we're quick to try to resolve it, right? And I think it's the same the other way around. But do how how are they to no. know? The answer is no, because no. when I'm coming to them, so here's why. Oh. When we, yes, we are coming to you for venting. We are definitely coming to you for venting because when you think about it, any real confident man doesn't look at an obstacle and oh my God, this is gonna kill me. It's more like, I got this shit to deal with. And then it's usually, I got this shit to deal with because this nigga didn't do his job. And so it's a whole bunch of annoyance and upsetness. But there isn't a thing that you can put before me that I want to accomplish that I'm ever going to look at as that I can't accomplish. It just, you know, some things take a little bit longer. Can that, can, so with that statement being said, could that easily be misconstrued as masculinity? Absolutely. It's absolutely hyper masculinity because I don't, it would, and it literally only takes one sentence to change it. And it's like, you know, I came here to vent. And then that turns the confusion into more of a unit and a partnering of the thing happening. And so the venting aspect is just to be heard, or is it? To get the shit off your chest. You're literally emotional, like, and you want to hit somebody. You want to hit somebody, me. I be wanting to hit people all the time. But I know that if I hit somebody with the anger that I have, I'm going to hurt my hand because mm-hmm. I haven't hit somebody in a long time. I said it's probably rubbery. So it's like, it's coming out because it, usually when we're venting, we're finally, we're fed up. Because you know, we take a lot and we shoulder it because we're supposed to, but it's not even so much we're supposed to. And I want people to really understand this. Think about it like this. Don't think about it as woman and man, right? Just understand where, let's say we have a great man right here who really wants to take care of and protect his family. Is he going to really put his problems on them like regularly, like here, hold this, like here, hold this? No, he wants them to live a life where they don't, anything that's happening, I want to take care of it out there mm. before it even comes in here. I want in there to be all joy. Like when I come in there, I want this shit to be soft. I want to be able to take off my, my armor that I've had on for 36 hours, you know, have it be a nice little lavender misty type of thing. That's what I want in there. And I don't know that that's ever been articulated, but that's a big part of what it is. You know, we, we passionately, like I said this earlier, we want to love desperately, mm. but we're afraid. And then you could see it in our behaviors. That's why everybody's got all of this stuff going on because everybody desperately wants to be loved and not just romantically, but all around. And like, there's, we're scared because people have hurt us. So, so it's okay to be scared, but it's not okay to ask for help. Is that what you're saying? No, I didn't say it. it's, it's okay for both. The thing is that we're saying that we don't need help. What well, we need is right. support. So, so, and, and There's so the a different, it's a different ask when we're coming. When we're coming, like the help that we need is not a tangible, help me lift this. It's gotcha. more like, you know, like, fuck, man. And then we just need to go get him tiger, you know? And then now it's like raw. 
<laughs> All right. So, so it, it sounds like communication is key, right? And and uh, a lot of the breakdown is miscommunication. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dad, you are a part of the solution. You don't have to be a part of every part or the brain part because nine times out of 10, we already have the solution. We just have to go do it, but we're pissed about it. So it's literally no problem. This is why we don't do it because we feel like it's bitchy. Mm. I have to go and do this. I, I because of how I feel, I don't have a choice. So here's I we go to. back. We go back to the concept of hypermasculinity, right? Because you just mentioned if we're asking for help or if we get them to assist us, or venting, over venting can can be misconstrued as bitching, right? No, it's that we feel that way. They Who's don't. We? The men, we men oh. feel that way. The okay. women are li they're listening. They're listening to the whole shit because they do this shit every day. Like they come in and like, you know, can you believe this bitch wears the same dress as me? And we're like, yo, take off the dress. Don't ever wear it again. And you're like, no. And then, but, and they got to get it all out. So they get it. They give us that space. Mm -hmm. But then they, then they still love us though. And love is a verb. It's not a noun. So they want to do something. But they don't under, like we all don't understand presence. Presence is so important. We're not human doings. We're human beings. R.I.P. to Wayne Dyer. So, so here, but you can't close yourself off, right? Um, yes, I can. can. No, you can't. Like, you don't live in a silo. No, not when you're, okay, so here's the thing. You can't, when you're deep in a relationship, like when you're like here, you can't close yourself off. But when you're a gypsy nomad like myself, who's literally here today, there tomorrow, I absolutely can close myself off because I have to protect myself. I said earlier on my other live, my biggest fear that I, and I faced it this week because I didn't even know what it was. My biggest fear is that I'm going to create something fucking phenomenal and somebody's going to hurt my feelings and I'm going to knock that shit over. Hmm. And, and so why not seek help to avoid that fear becoming a reality? Because I already have the solution. The solution is, is the solution is field of dreams. <laughs> no, not it's not even, but it's not really a cutoff. It's like they need I need to go over I need to go here. You know, and so I'm retreating. It's a cocooning thing. I've mm. gotta go build. And once and if you build it, they will come. But a lot of a lot of the greats that built that necessarily are all built by themselves. No, but they had a plan already, though. And then other people just came in and executed the plan. But until I'm ready for the plan to be executed by the team, other people are just, it's just a lot of shit for me. But in order for the plan to be effective, don't you need to communicate that plan out to the people? Like, let, let's, let's, use, let's use upcoming shows when I'm we're ready. working on. When I'm ready. So let's take a couple steps back, right? So... You have an upcoming show that we're working on right now, and it's myself, yourself, Deb, and Tikiya. And it literally sparked off as a conversation between two giants in our history that inspired you to have a conversation with Tikiya that had a conversation with myself and then Deb involved, right? Now, that plan to fruition 
was not all on you and you alone, right? Because because this goes back to this is why we don't smoke on the lot, right? <laughs> this is all about communication, right? So, um, you know, I, I say that to say because in order for this plan to come to fruition, you know, you came to me with, hey, this is something I'm thinking about, but you weren't really, you already had an idea where you wanted to go, right? But at the same time, you're like, I don't know how to technically implement it myself. Mm -hmm. Right? And you trusted the fact that Takiya has a level of skill sets that you don't, which is anything related to business because you don't want to do it, right? Yes. And then we pulled in Deb for the the marketing and branding pieces, right? Yes. So you communicated and you asked for help. I needed the help. Right. So is are you saying that you only in those, ask in those if other you instances? need it? Yes. Why would I ask it if I don't need it? Why would I I just said that I would never put on somebody else's plate something that I don't need to put there. That's not that's not my like as I'm a stress relief like I, I was a stress relief specialist. I would never that, that I would never do that. Okay. But like but maybe I'll come and report after I solved it, but I'm not gonna like no, like I got it. So, but, but is that, because what I'm trying to kind of bring back here is like relying on your relationships, right? Because sometimes you don't necessarily have to spin on all these wheels and trying to figure out yourself when there are other people in your community, in your circles that can definitely help you get there faster. Yes, but there are certain things that I have to do. You know, like nobody can drive this truck for me. And, and that's not, and that's, the, and, and I think you're taking that the, the context into that literal. No, thing, no, no. Right? But what I'm saying is that I know. But what I'm saying is that I would bitch about being in the truck, and I would complain yes. to somebody about being in the truck. But I already. But you're not running a trucking business. Truck. But you're not running a trucking business alone. But there's nobody else that can drive the truck. I'm the only person with the CDL. So right. it's I, so, I have to do this. Right, but yet the problem that you have at hand is something that your team is working on to resolve. Up until, right? You can find a driver. No, correct. There, there's no, no, there's no problem. Everything's yeah. There's no, no. We already have drivers in school. Like that's what I'm saying. Like the shit is already, it's already laid out. It's just that I am an impatient motherfucker. So when I can see a vision, I want that vision here now. Okay. And that's the okay. kid in me, like because I'm like, why not that? But I understand that I'm learning as I grow, and as years mean, as years become less and less time to wait. I'm learning to be patient. I'm I'm learning to use patience and those pauses as a tool. Awesome, Claudius. Thank you for joining. I appreciate you jumping on. Um, we're talking about relationships, um, how they impact our mental wellness, um, and we're on the topic of asking for help, right? And there's a thin line between hypermasculinity and actually needing help um where we are taught or we're driven that we we should be doing everything ourselves and then there's the aspect of in the midst of complaining about trying to figure this thing to ourselves we're venting to our mates who struggle with 
whether we're venting or we're asking for help, right? And in the, in the concept of we should be doing this ourselves, we struggle to really define the line where help versus just venting lies. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, we touched on a couple other topics, which was in the process of, and, and thank you again for walking my beautiful wife down the aisle um, and your, your amazing prayers um, during dinner and at the end of the ceremony. So I just wanna say thank you for that um, publicly. Um, but you also mentioned something at the dinner, right? Is um, you wanna make sure the man is supported. You know, the man and the woman are here to support one another, but far too often the men are neglected in that process. Mm -hmm. So um, let's take a couple of steps back and let's talk about where your mindset is on that and, you know, kind of um, just, just pick your brain there. Sure, sure. Thank you, um, Brother Copley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, I am, I am honored, you know, forgive my lateness. I got so turned around with this East Coast, West Coast time. And so, um, but I'm here. Um, and also, I want to give props to you for such a beautiful memory. Uh, I, this is something that will stay with me, you know, forever. Um, so thank you for allowing me to 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 join that beautiful ceremony uh, with you and your now beautiful wife. I can't tell if I'm still on or not. Am I still you're on? You're still on. You're still on. I'm just messing around with the, the layout. My apologies. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh boy. I. You know. In fact, I, I'm glad this has come up because even though I'm in the field and I've been in the field for like 30 years now. Mm -hmm. um, the last 15 years um, as a mental health uh, professional. Um, so Copeland, I'm a licensed clinical social worker here in California. And I, I live uh, in Long Beach. Oh, wonderful, man. And so um, I am, you know, I am. So, so there's a group practice. So there's like maybe 30 of us, you know, we're, we're all people of color, predominantly black folks. And so during the last two years, I have seen just a huge increase in the brothers saying, you know what, I mean, maybe it's time that I, I come and talk to somebody before I kill somebody. <laughs> wow. Um, and, you know, it, it's, you know it, it's beautiful to see because I, I did, I, I have seen a shift, you know, and brothers, you know, uh, just calling us, especially, and even the brothers who are coming out um, um, the penitentiary. You know, mm. I think one of my biggest compliments that I got was this brother who was forced to come um, see me um, by his parole officer, and he was hooing and howling, you know, fuck this, but you know, I, I don't need this shit. <laughs> and then, oh, wait, I can curse with you? I thought you were a priest. <laughs> I know he was. <laughs> Look, it hasn't stopped you from the beginning. So I was, no, I was, I was, I was like, damn. I, I was like, how am I gonna do this? <laughs> slow, slow and steady, Cole. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. That's right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so I, I, 
after the second, I believe it was the second session that I had with him, you know, because he had been down over seven years and just he was coming out trying to make heads and tails of stuff. And he said to me, if I knew therapy was going to be like this, I would have been came a long time ago mm. uh, because talking to you, just like, you know, just rapping, having a conversation with my uncle. Mm. That was one of the biggest compliments I ever got, you know, when the term therapy, you know, was not seen as or viewed as felt as therapy. It was right. just more of a conversation between two brothers, mm. you know, which I appreciated. I also think that, you know, it's 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 been a blessing to me, you know, because I started off, you know, in my own therapy over 30 years ago. And, and still up until recently, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, um, even us in the profession, you know, we, you know, guess what? We still have relationships uh, with our wives and with our children. And I better not, you know, try to, uh, Janae used to call, uh, therapeutize our relationship. So you leave that shit, your professionalism, in your office or these components, you know, I'm, I'm your wife and you my husband. Right, right. And so I appreciated that because, you know, I, I have a tendency, you know, to go back to my default, which is, you know, what I do. So, so if you don't mind me asking, and, you know, this is a question I asked Copeland is, you know, we manage a lot of, and this is a perfect kind of segue for me to go back to it we manage a lot of different relationships, right? Especially as you as a therapist, um, you manage multiple people, you manage your friends. And when I say manage, it's not like control, right? It's it's being able to com almost compartmentalize yourself into each and every person that you come across. How do you kind of like determine when these these things are starting to have a toll on your peace because as a therapist you have a therapist right mm -hmm. but how do you start realizing like oh this is starting to become a problem for me for me it's 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 a level of consciousness it's a level of consultation it's a level of showing up in my authentic self you know where i get to make just just let my let my hair down you know, that part of me that's still the jokester, the 12 years old boy that still likes to come out and play, you know, and, and play tricks on my wife, much to her chagrin. But you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of uh, the whole get down. Um, I do believe in heavy, heavy self-care. Mm -hmm. You know, that I may be meditating reflecting or playing, you know, up to four or five times a day throughout the day. It's a way of recentering myself, you know, which helps me. Um, definitely a proponent of, of, the, of the gym, or just, you know, cardio, 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 throw some weights in there, you know. Um, and, you know, when I'm able to, you know, touch that creative side of me, which is also Grounded, you know, but that would mean getting out in the, in the yard, doing my roses, or planting some some new stuff that I've never tried before. 
Um, and, and doing things with my best friend, just going out and having fun, you know, which is my wife. You know, we just, you know, we, we you know, not forgetting that we still love to dance, you know, uh, although we're, we're well past 60, sometimes we think we feel 30. Hey, look, you know, it's, it's the ages, but a number sometimes until you got to get that Benadryl. I mean, that 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 uh, pain medication the, the next day, you know, um, and, so, I, so I, 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 I didn't get to a point where I was going to try what you did. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't ask you to do that. No, I wouldn't ask you to do that. So Copeland, he's talking about doing the donkey kick. And I realized after doing it, I shouldn't have done it in the first place. <coughs> so still suffering from it today right now. Um, One half. One half is all I do anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so, so when it comes to relationships, right? So you mentioned, um, you mentioned how you deal with everybody. How important is communication, right? Um, Especially when you're in your good days, your bad days, when you need to just like you said, your wife is your best friend, right? So one of the questions that came up is, when you're just venting to your wife, does she know that you're just venting, or? Are you reaching out for help to kind of help resolve the issue that you're venting for? Because I, I think that there's a there's a fine line between venting and asking for help. And a lot of times you have a long-standing relationship. You guys have built a, a communication, you know, um, your own communication lexicon, right? And so, how did you go about like devising when to vent, and she know it's venting? versus when you're actually seeking help from her. Yeah. I think we got our cues, you know. I mean, I mean, she'll in fact ask me, you know, uh, do you want feedback on this or do you are you just venting? You know, and vice versa, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes as men, you know, we want to fix stuff, right? Uh, well, I learned that that's probably not the best thing we want to do when our significant others is coming to talk to us. You know, they're, they're not necessarily, the, the bottom line is not trying to fix things or make it right. It's just about, let me say what I need to say. Let me get it off my chest. Let me process it, you know, and fixing it is irrelevant, but I just need you to hear me. And right. so we have our cues, you know, and so I know when uh, she wants feedback, she'll ask for it and vice versa. Gotcha. So... So let me ask a question here. Um, this was something that was posed to me. How important is our men's circle? And that's for both of you guys to answer. You're on mute. You're on mute. You, you can know. I think he's letting you go first. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I think it's important. I mean, I I I some I used to be so envious when I see how all the sisters would come together. You know, because some of our sisters. They are like ride and die. They support one another. They come to their rescue. And I'm, I'm laying back. <laughs> Man, I, I, I want something like this. You know, wouldn't this be nice for, for the brothers to be able to come into our own and just be there to support one another? But to answer your question, I, I think it's very important. I would love to see more of it. And so in... in in coming up, did did you grow up with a large male influence, or was it the opposite? Yeah, 
just just the opposite. We're so we I it's a family of nine, and uh, I never known my father, but my mother was always the head of the household. Mm. Like, so, so what she said went, you know, right wrong in. That's how I learned. Um, so it was definitely more of a matriarch. And so, throughout your years, you've been more gravitated towards friends of the opposite sex as opposed to like, like, like other men. Cause it's like, I found it difficult to like, I'll speak for me. Like I grew up with all women, right? My mom was that, like you said, the head of the household. I, although I know my dad, mom was the head of the household. She was running things. And I had three other sisters on top of that. Right. And so for me, it, I always had feminine energy around me and Masculine energy always felt uncomfortable, right? Because it felt like we were competing for eyes. We were competing for whatever it was. And it just wasn't something that I appreciated until I literally got got to high school and started playing sports, right? You start realizing that that level of camaraderie, camaraderie, I can never say that word right. You know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, that level of camaraderie, yeah, you got that. Um, was always something that I felt like I was missing, just like you, right? It's like you see the, although they may, and don't kill me for this, right? They may bicker at each other, but there's always an underlying, like, I love you. I can fight with you because I love you. Whereas we know when they don't like somebody, it's like lights out for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so Copeland is one of the, a lot of few bros in my my man circle, and it's in the fact that like we are each other's strong friend or big friend or good friend, but we check in on each other. You know what I mean? Uh, to the point where it's like we were talking on on our live earlier. We might go like two three years not talking, but as soon as we kick back up, it's like we never left off. You know. Have you been able to, in the last, let's say, couple years, been able to reach back to some of your guy friends and be like, hey, we should communicate more? Because I know during the pandemic, with Zoom, that's the best way people have been trying to rekindling their friendships. Yeah, no, uh, for me, I, I wish I'd had that, you know. It's like, um, just to put a little perspective on this, I, although I was raised in Brooklyn until I was 18, you know, I've been in California ever since. So mm. a lot of my uh, friends at the time, you know, they were either doing long prison time or just disappear off the face of the earth. So so I, 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 I didn't have that. You know, mm. I wish I had that. So I don't have like grade school friends um, up until uh, maybe three years ago. I lost, you know, my best friend, mm, you know, uh, of 25 years, 30 years, probably more like 30 years. So he was my ace because I'm from Bed-Stuy and he's, and he was from um, uh, uh, the uh, community right next to, uh, I don't know why I can't think of it now. Uh, so, so he was from there, but we met out here. Mm. We used to go back and forth, you know, um, traveling back home together. And so I, I, I missed, although I have, I have uh, 
let's see, I have uh, three, uh, four other brothers, mm. you know, so that kind of helped a little bit. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I miss not having a, a network of close friends like I used to. Um, so that's something that I'm, you know, I am still in the process of development. And I'm, I'm going to get to you, Copeland. I just want to kind of dive into this because, you know, you're the elder statesman in, in this, on this chat, on this conversation. And, <clears throat> you know, us, do you think it's demographic? Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down. Um, generational um, location, um, you know, just age group and profession. Um, just to kind of, because I meet new people every day. Right, like, and there are people that just automatically gravitate into my circle. There are people that aren't. But do you find it that, like, that move from New York to California, there was a different, I guess, way of of, of bonding with other men in those areas? To a degree, you know, because you know, for me, there's always the East Coast and the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And even though you know I've been gone for for many years, you know they still got East Coast pride flavor, if you will. And I tend to resonate with more people. I mean, our shared experience, our lived experience, tend to align more, you know, with, with, with the brothers, you know, like like on the East Coast. I think into my profession, I, I have some wonderful. Acquaintances, you know, so I'm a member of ABSI, the Black Psychologists Association, and the um, uh, Black uh, Social Workers uh, uh, Organization, and um, so, so I, so I have a community. But in terms of just having a close friendship, a network of people, kind of like what you and Copeland ha- mm. have, you know, that I don't have, and but part of it is because. Quite frankly, I have just been too busy. So it's not something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, there, there were more important things and with my family and with my career and with the folks I manage that, that just took precedent. And last question. Um, do you think that, and then I'm not sure if you're well or not well, but do you think that plays a toll in, you're where you are hap- happiness wise, right? Um, and, and outside of your family, there's not another circle that you can kind of jump into, if that makes any sense. Yes, it makes sense. Uh, I think, you know, so, so I, I'm, I'm a very active, even at, even at 68, you know, I, I have my RVs, so I can jump in and go camping when I want. I still ride my Harley, you know. I still got my bicycle, and you know, I, I, you know, so there are things that, that I enjoy doing. You know, oh, um, Janae is not getting on the bike of my of my motorcycle, you know. She's made that clear when I first got it. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of stuff that I really enjoy doing. You know? Okay. So when it comes to my social life, when that does happen with a group of brothers, you know, if we meet. So before the pandemic, we, the group of us met uh, once, once um, a month, which was beautiful. 
Um, so I, so there's a part of me that is yearning for that to come back again. Um, so there's that. Okay. So, so Cope, um, how important is your men's circle? <clears throat> As you guys were talking, I was thinking about it. I've always had men in my circle. Like I have my father, my, I grew up with my father. He's still in the house. Don't do shit. He's still there. And I have three brothers. So now that I'm looking at when I had really good friends, I say it all the time. I call them my brothers. And I actually feel that way, you know, about them. So I've always had, <clears throat> and honestly, I've always had older men look out for me. Because I was wilding at some points in time, you know? So I've some always. Some points in time? You know, listen, I calm down, you know, I calm down a lot. <laughs> like, you know, I've definitely, I, I definitely calm down a lot because I don't wild out now. Everything I do now is strategic, even if it seems a little hot. But I've always had men who were older who took interest in me. And it's because they could see me where the rest of the world couldn't. So this so to say, so what I'm trying to say is that the men's circle is literally one of the most important things that we have because we need to everybody needs it. The women need their yes. circles too because they need places. We need we all need places where we're understood without having to explain ourselves. So we can explain on a different level. Right. You right. know, we understand how if somebody calls you a bitch and is in your face and you hit them. We don't have to talk about, so you're going to, so just somebody says something, you're like, we don't have to talk about that. Yeah, like, we don't have to talk about that at all. <laughs> like, why, like, then it just gets, we, we can move faster because right. we, are, we have, we have, we can understand each other. And then what that also does is it teaches us in our own groups, it teaches us friendship because we're building that, but it also teaches us how to articulate how we feel. So now when the groups mingle, because the clicks that mingled was when we really had, with, like in college, like that's yeah. when we really had the good relationship. We had the good energy. Like we would be going to people's houses just to chill. Like mm. that was the vibe and it was love. It, and it wasn't even like we're trying to fuck. It, or every, like we had those that group that's just like, we're cooking, like we're hanging out, especially, you know, the bros and the red. So, yeah, it makes it it makes it easier for us to come together because we're not as desperate for love. And and I'll I'll add to that, you know, um, similar to you, I'm gravitated towards the older men because I, I'm in a weird like I think I grew up in a weird generation. Cope and I are probably same gen we're in the same generation where we're not wavy enough for the younger generation but we're also not at the same plane at our generation. And we're kind of like, we're a lot more mature than our generation. So the next generation before us is usually the group that can, like takes us in, right? So like I would travel, I literally have been traveling the world with a group of 50 plus year old men because they see things the same way that I see it. It's about the experience, it's about wellness it's about making sure that you take the time out for yourself and these guys have kids families wives and i'm here like solo dolo but like on these conversations 
They're giving me investment tips. They're giving me relationship advice. They're telling me things to look out for. Um, you know, when you go buy a house, what to do. Whereas, you know, somebody my age, we're pretty much trying to figure it out. Like at the age of 40, there's still pe a lot of people trying to figure it out if they don't have an elder statesman kind of guiding them through. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. You know, and so, you know, and, and I think a lot of times, you know, as an elder statesman, you have to be open to accept the younger, yes. younger youth, younger men to come in. Because I think we, we get into a place where we start, like, dividing ourselves between, you know, where we are in life, how much we make, the different statuses we have in our communities. And that tends to create a divide, which you know, isn't even necessary because at the end of the day, you know, we have two, we have two, two ideals. And I think one is more divisive than the other, right? We go to the old school ideas of the talented 10th. They only only the cream rise to the top. If you're not up here, I'm not, I, you're not on my level. And then we have lifting as we climb, right? I'm all about the lifting as we climb because as Copeland liked to quote, bridge builder is, one of the most, I think, pivotal poems that I've ever learned. Because at the end of the day, this, the story is about, as an elder statesman, you've already paved the path. You've crossed that bridge. You've crossed that chasm. Like, you should be able to, if asked, help us come back, help us come across without having to go through some of those similar um, pitfalls, right? And... I'm not sure if it's in some cases it's a bitterness or whatever might have you, but it's one of those situations where it's like everyone does not have that luxury of an elder statesman. Like, hey, let me bring you along. Like, ride my coattails. And and you know, once again, riding coattails doesn't always have to be a negative thing. Right. You know, it can be a, a apprenticeship. It can be a a mentorship. It can be you know a sponsor. But it's, I think as, as I learn from them, I'm now passing that information down, paying it forward, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's kind of the important part of, of my friend circle, my men's circle. I have a different view on the talented 10 principle. Go ahead. Like, I don't think, so I, I believe in it. Like there is a 10% of us at the top. And I do believe that that 10% can make things a lot better for everybody else. Like that's literally how cultures and traditions are usually made and maintained anyway. But it's, it's, a, it's different. Like, you know, my value to put you in the top 10% has different check marks. Like, yeah, you want to have some money or whatever or not. Mm -hmm. It's really more so about your constitution because you can have money or not have money and not really give a shit about the community. And if you don't give a shit about the community, you cannot be in the talented tent because you're damaged. And I express to you how I feel like any man who has a healthy mental constitution wants to take care of himself, his family, and his community. It's and, just and natural. And so you feel as though that those those barometers, that's that's your barometer of determining who would be That's one top. of them. Okay. That's one of them. Like, of course, you have to be smart. Like, you can't just be like, hey, I love everybody. <laughs> you know, like, and then the cream always rises to the top. 
And so if we, once you make it known that love for the community is a thing, and then also that there's no real benefit, there's just a lot of fucking work up here. But the cream doesn't rise to the top alone, though. That, and no, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying is like, I think, it, but, but I, I, I acknowledge, <laughs> right? I just want you to let you, let you know that, that I do acknowledge what you're saying. Like, there are things that would make you a talented temp just because you're a specific stature, a specific finance, or um, a specific place in your life doesn't make you any better than anybody else, right? But I do think that there are people that think because they're let, let's use you yes. know the national the, the national one percent, right? Like, come on, they think that they're immune to everything. Um, they should be exempt from everything and they don't have to pay the same prices that we do. And I think sometimes our talented tent consume that mindset. Well, I could be wrong here. Yeah, right? no, because, no, because no. It's all in, it's all in how we, we, we handle our relationships that really will determine whether or not I can, I, I assume you to be on my level. Let me throw a monkey wrench so our talented tenth has a very hard time identifying itself because they're usually poached and so they never really and they're usually poached young and so they never really get the opportunity to develop the love and understanding of the love from the community because they're not really in the community because in our community see one of the barometers of success is getting out so if you have a kid and some white guy heard him talk and they're like, yeah, this guy, I'm gonna give him a scholarship to a school. You're not gonna keep him in the bum ass public school because you know how they fund those schools. You're gonna send them to that school. So it's like a process of really poaching our best. Like our best should be in the HBCU because then that is how they get better funding by putting out like these people who can now turn back and do it. But we're so enamored by the stature and how those institutions will grease the wheel for you a little bit more, even as a black man, you know, being a Harvard man or a Cornell guy or a Stanford guy, you know, like that, it does move a needle. Maybe not too far, but further than, further than me coming in there being like, hey, oh, you got a lighter? Like, my blood went out. <laughs> So, so Claudius, what are your thoughts on that? You know, as, as I as I try to look at, you know, put it in perspective. Well, to be transparent, I don't know that I know a lot of folks uh, in in the, in the top ten, much less the top one percent. Um, but uh, having said that, I I think you know that. As you get older, part of what brings you joy is the ability to give back what was given to you, to those behind you. You know, and we had a saying, you, you keep what you got by giving it away. You mm. know, the love, the consciousness that you have, it grows, it, it intensifies when you give it away. Because you're constantly rekindling it, you know, it's dynamic. You know, um, so I think part of it, part of when you do that, it keeps you healthy. Love, 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 you know, when somebody is benefiting from my experience or 
can relate to to something that I said. Um, I think you know from 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 a from a old, from a, from an older man's perspective, it, it's it's great joy in that. Mm. Okay, so um, so I have this question: At what point do we determine when to end? or give less equity to our mental space in our relationships, right? Whether it be friends, um, siblings, um, children, um, romantic, right? Like how do we determine when like we do that, right? Cause you know, the hardest thing to do is, I, I know for me one, it may not seem it right now, but one of the hardest things for me to do is kind of distance myself from one of my siblings, right? And the, the reason behind it is just, you're not showing up. You know, how much should I continue to pour in? And this goes to Copeland's, you know, statement. I'm, I'm, I guess, a glutton for pain because I continue to give those luxuries, give those, um, what was the phrase, um, Copeland? Um, grace. Grace. I continue yeah, to give grace when I it continues to be spat in, into my face. You know what I mean? And so I find a, I find the struggle of just either cutting people off or just, you know, giving them less equity into my mental space. Like, how do y'all either determine how to go about doing that or if it should be done at all? It was easy for me. In college, mm. I was friends with Alade and Kalade. I was able to step back and watch them as the golden boys. Everybody wanted to be their friend. And I saw the people that wanted, all the people that wanted to be their friend. And all of those people weren't cool. And all of those people weren't good. And I didn't want that. And I decided in that moment right there that I didn't ever want it to be a golden boy. I wanted, I would much rather people be afraid of me and then kind of like do some tippy toe thing and kind of find out because then that leaves me less to filter and I'm 100% okay with that. I don't need a million friends, you know? Like, it's not a necessity. What I need is for our community to grow. I don't need a million friends. So mm. I can, and I believe my mental health and keeping my shit together is more important than anybody's feelings outside of my son. Mm. Well stated. What is? No, love that, love that, love what he said. I think that, you know, I have um, some siblings who are still out there in the mix, right? And um, love them to death, but, you know, I do have to love them from a distance. So these are not, as so much as I love them, you know, they're not the people who are going to be coming to my house to eat, you know, to sleep. You know, we're, we're not, you know, lessons have taught me that that's not the best thing to do for me or my wife. Mm. And so uh, realistically, you know, um, I, you know, I have to hold them in small doses, you know, here, there. Um, but they can't be uh, part of my life because, you know, they're not ready mm. for whatever reason, you know. Um, so, again. You know, love them to death. Always, I'm the third oldest in my family of nine. And I, I remember 
the pureness of each one of them. So I don't forget that. Uh, but when I see a couple of them today, I say, hey, but you know, I, I'm gonna give you a hug. I'm gonna say, hey, I love you. But I'm gonna keep on stepping because I I I know where you're at, and I just mm. I, I just can't be around that anymore. Gotcha. The reason why I moved. That's a, I wanted to speak about that. You know, that's a big part of the reason why I moved the way that I moved. It's not necessarily an indictment on people. People are great people. I move in a way that in some time, especially for people who have routines or maybe have triggers, I trigger it. I'm going to trigger you. I'm going through fires. Like we, I, I, I feel like, like I was saying with the talented 10 thing, I think this is where I was going with it. I feel an obligation to the community because I feel like I have that stuff. And I don't want to, and I'll be honest with you, and I'm still kind of, I reconciled with this, but this was the, the first feeling that I had that I was telling you about was that I don't want to do it. I'm tired because I don't want to, I don't want to do the work anymore. I want to just go and sit somewhere and like kick back. I don't, and I realized that what it really was transitioning into because my new measure of success is my replaceability. But then as we were having the conversation earlier and today, right now, I'm realizing that that's my DNA speaking because that's the nature of nature. My son is my replacement. And that's just a natural progression of things. Trying to hold on and not letting the youth come through and live is not natural. And so that's, that's where I reconcile the two. So you mentioned that you're triggering. Was that intentional or it just happens no. the way you are triggers people yeah yeah because there's the i'm gonna do whatever like if i see this opportunity over here and i was supposed to go over there i'm gonna be already be a little bit late mm. and i'm always and i have a higher i have a higher tolerance for risk because i've been through, I, I don't have a lot of the inner working conditioning so when somebody says something to me and they're like, yeah, this is the way it is. These are the rules. I'm like, so y'all all do that? Like y'all all let them tell you that? That's, that's, that's not, no, I'm not doing that. Like, how dare you? So I can, I move differently. You know, I had a friend that told me that she would worry, she would be worried about dating me because if she ever had to go to the school, if I'm playing basketball and somebody's fucking with my kid, I'm going to come to the school sweating in my basketball stuff. I might take off my sneakers, but like there are other people who are like, every time I go to the school, I'm going to be dressed up. They're always going to see me in a suit and tie so that they can respect me. But I walk in like, you're not about to look at me and tell me that you're not going to respect me because you can do that, but we're going to talk. And then you're going to see, then something like, shit's going to shift really, really quickly, really quickly. So it, it, it's, a, I, I want to ask a question, but I'm not sure if it's the right way to ask it. Like, are you operating oh, okay. off of a, a, your own level of privilege in the, in your relationships? Mm, no. Cause, Cause it, it doesn't seem like it's one where it's like, and it, it, the reason I'm asking is because once you, you move by the beat of your own drum. Right. And so that means that, you are you are 
you know, Switzerland. You do what you want to do, how you want to do it, with no outside intervention. But that's like, you know, people who like, well, rather ask for forgiveness than for permission. I, I think yeah. those type of people are people that kind of live off of a, a sense of privilege, right? And not in like the grand scheme of, you know, white supremacy, but within your own social circles. Like, I, I, I deserve it. I need, I, not deserve, I'm t- entitled to this. I'm, it, it is definitely a privilege to be free because I don't, I don't feel any of the restraints. Like if I feel like doing something, I'm going to do it, which is why the person for me has to have, they don't have to de- move to the beat of my drum. They just have to have a cadence. All the drums don't have to be playing the same beat as long as we're playing the same song. Hmm. I'm not trying to control what you do with your drum. Like you've seen drum circles. They don't be sitting there like, yo, you do the one, two, up, up. Like they don't do that. Everybody just gets in and they feel it and they go with the feeling. And it and it sounds fucking beautiful. No organizer, no nothing. Human beings sitting and connecting on a different plane. And <clears throat> I think one of the things that I do to people, I also, that's unfair. I've lived with myself for a very long time. So I trust myself 100%. And I project that onto other people. And when they don't, it disappoints me. It literally hurts my feelings. I'm like, yo, I'm like 15 and 0 here. Like, what the fuck? And, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they didn't see nothing. Like, I'm, so I'm projecting that. Like, I was talking to Takia. And she was, we had an argument. It was, well, it was a discussion. She was based up. And um, it was the, the problem, and I had to stop. I had to use the pause as a tool because something wasn't happening that normally happened when we talk. And I'm like, what is it? And it was me. She had a concern that to me wasn't a concern because that's like, yeah, I got that. You know, it's like, it's not a concern for me. So I didn't, I wasn't able to address her concern because I couldn't, even though she was telling it to me, I'm like, okay, so I, I don't get it. What's wrong? I just quote, 15 and 0, baby. You know what I mean? 16-time world champion. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the problem here? So, so Claudius, what is, what is your thought on that, right? I think there are a lot of people that, operate on this and this and i i use privilege but that might not be the right word right like no hope, it's the right word hope has it's lived right with himself for so long that and when 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 and in it's figuratively and literally right to the sense where like the only person he can truly trust is himself yeah and so going into society or integrating into society it's one of those where and i'm not saying cope doesn't Cope is the anti-establishment establisher. So he's that person that's like, he's running his own trucking company, but he's anti-capitalism, anti-business. So there's there's levels to, to this gentleman right here. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts? I think that, I think that it's a blessing when you get, get to the point where you can operate on an optimal level. And I borrowed that phrase from Sister Dr. Um, Myers, um, where spiritually 
psychologically, emotionally, physically, you know, that you can operate at this high level all the time. And, and, and part of the task is to understand that that's your gift, you know, that, you know, you don't have to flow in a substandard level at all at any time, but that your gift, your privilege, if you will, is to operate at that optimal level. It's a much, it's a much healthier way of living. Mm. Um, in fact, it, it may it allow you to live even uh, a healthier, longer life. I do think also that you do get to the point, privilege, level of consciousness where you do know yourself, right? You, you, you do know what makes you happy, who you want to connect with. You know, you're not going to be subjected, subjected to, to the trivial bullshit that's out there. You know, you've lived, you know, yeah, it's okay to admit I've arrived here. It wasn't gifted to me. I paid my dues. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm comfortable with that. And I, I also recognize that, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to stop stop running in, in the pony parks and run with the thoroughbreds. Not, I'm not, that's no, no, no shame on, on the ponies. You know, they do what they do. But also you recognize that you, it's a, your life has become more intentional, more purposeful, more rewarding. And you go with that. And, w- and what this person over here said doesn't matter. It, what, it, it, so what? I, I mean, I, I I hear your opinion, but I, I, all right. Look at that black boy joy right there. Look at that smile. <laughs> Hold up. You're on mute. Can't hear you. There you go. I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. And it's my, like my freedom, your freedom ends where another person begins. And I don't, I don't ever want to hinder anybody or make people feel away, but I also know that I'm, oh, I come with. No, I'm gone. Am I back? Oh, you're good now. Am I back? Oh, okay. But yeah, like I know that I have to move in certain ways to accomplish the things that I need to accomplish, and so I need somebody who understands bigger picture, just like you said. Like I, it has to be somebody who's on some thoroughbred shit and. The, the sad part about it is, like, you would think that you could just go into, like, a social justice symposium or something, and everybody would be like, yeah, boom, bang, bang. But it's not. Mm. It's not anywhere. It's, it really is. There's so many. It's like past ships passing in the ocean. Yeah, every now and again, a ship crashes or whatever, but there's a lot of times that it's not the ship that you're looking for. So, you know, you just... It doesn't, it doesn't, for me, I used to not like people and think that they were bad. But I realized that people aren't bad. People are just under something that they shouldn't be under. There is a system out here that doesn't care about humanity at all. Like, fuck black, white, nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't at all. It cares about numbers and processes and results. And there's a bunch of people that aren't insulated enough to really deal with that. And for us, it's a lot of black men who, they're dealing with it, but they're not dealing with it. Mm. You know, it's just, it's festering. And then you see the things like man shoots up post office or some shit. Like, we don't really do that type of crazy shit, but we'll hit somebody for bumping us too hard. Like, we'll hit them really hard and go home and be like, damn, that wasn't even for him. And then you call your, your friend and you're like, you know, I just hit somebody because of you. 
<laughs> been you. <laughs> so so that leads me to the next to the next question, right? How do we continue to work on our relationships such that they're healthy for us? Right? Say that I, one more time. How do we continue to work on our relationships such that they're healthy for us? I think we we engage in a lot of unhealthy relationships. Um, uh, um, and I, I hope we're able to identify when they're not. But how do we continue to um, to nurture the good ones that we have? Keep talking about it. Good black men don't get enough press. We're not, we're boring. Mm. We're boring as fuck. So we don't get enough press. And so we have to be talking about it. And we don't necessarily have to talk about it to other people and just talk about it amongst ourselves because we already know that we need that. And so just the matter of having a circle, like me seeing two black men here who I can respect and who I can love, that does something for me. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Like, let's, that's what we need. We just need to keep talking about it. And the more we talk about it, the more it'll happen because somebody's going to hear yeah somebody's yeah. A, somebody's asking for advice uh, it's not real advice it's trolling <laughs> <laughs> hold up let me get it out of the way um but anywho i don't know that person's getting blocked <laughs> it's definitely a troll um but I want to say thank you. Oh, Claudius, you didn't get a chance to answer that question. No, I, you know, I think that when we're open to communicating with one another as we're doing now, you know, it, 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 it breaks that, that closed loop circle, you know. So if you constantly are just vibing with yourself and you're having the same thoughts and you're not open to other energies, you know, other spirit, you know, um, being entertained with with yours. Then, you know, that I think that becomes problematic because all you see is 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 yourself. You know, I love the idea of having uh, an open circle because it, it allows more energy, more ideas, more perspectives to come in. And I think at, at the base of that is a natural desire to see you do well. You know, I mean, that's that that's that's you know, as as a black man, you know, when I I applaud when when one of us are having successes. You know, it's it's not about it's never about envy. It's like, brother, I love what you're doing, man. I just love, 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 love it. You know, let me get some of that energy. I hope some of that rub off on me. You know, but 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 so it's with that type of love and, and with that type of intentionality and just with that type of humanity that I think if if we allow ourselves to have that we have that naturally. Mm. I like that. I like that. So I want to leave off with um, Claudius. Do you have anything coming up, or what do you want people to know about you, or how they can reach you? Um, you know, for those that are watching this all over again, or for um, those that are still out here that, that may want to reach out to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here in the Bay Area. I, you know, uh, a part of what makes me happy is the ability to give back, um, mentoring folks. I mean, that makes me happy. That makes me laugh. 
that brings me joy. I have probably some of the baddest interns you ever want to meet, you know, and so it's it's a pleasure for me to exchange ideas, you know, with them uh, because I get as much out of them, out of it as they do, you know, so, and for the brothers out there, I think that it's, it's, it's beautiful when you can have a safe space and place that you can be yourself, that you can be authentic, that you can show up, you know, with, with just love and just, you know, there's no images. They know nobody else. We don't, we don't have to monitor or censor ourselves because, you know, somebody other than ourselves is in our circle. Right, right. And that's important. So it, it's about, okay, if, 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 if you need help, you know, there, there are brothers out there who are willing to reach back and hold on to you. Awesome. Thank you. Hope. What you got yeah. going on? Hope? So I have a passionate plea to all of my brothers out there. Hear me and hear me closely. I understand very much. We as black men don't feel like we are loved in nature. And black women do not feel like they are protected. The irony of it is that the protection that we would be providing would provide the space for them to do the nurturing that is required for us to be able to do the protecting, which is required for them to do the nurturing. But that cycle has been broken. We're both afraid. Right now, we have an opportunity as black men. I know we got some issues with our black women. We have some issues with ourselves also. Now is not the time to talk about that. With this Roe versus Wade shit that we got going on, I implore us to take the first step and let's just back them. Because even on a regular strategic art of war level, would you rather the crazy, and I'm just, just extreme, would you rather a crazy black woman or a crazy white man controlling your family? That sounds like an easy question to me. So let's, let's let us take the first step and kickstart the healing. And we'll just stand with them. And I, I'll let you, my, my sisters, understand, like, I got your back. But we're going to talk when we get home. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining the episode. Um, as you guys know, season three of Getting My Cheese Back on My Cracker um, is kicking off. We had some technical difficulties last week. We will be returning with episode one on April 18th. Claudius, hopefully we can get you on that episode. Um, and we are working on a couple of other shows under the Getting My Cheese on My Cracker umbrella. And this will be a monthly conversation where we hope to have gentlemen from all over um, the diaspora to talk about the topics that impact us worldwide. Um, I don't think a lot of these issues are specific to us here in the United States. We have our brothers in the Netherlands. We have our brothers in Africa. We have our brothers in Asia that are all going through similar issues. And I think us being able to have a safe space like this to have the conversation um, is very important, like Claudius and, and Copeland has mentioned. So with that said, please, we want you to subscribe, like, and comment. Let us know what you think in the comments. And then enable that in notification so that you guys know when the next episode drops. With that said, peace.